All right, let's say you're a successful white-collar professional in your 30s or 40s. You have one or two kids, take a few years off to take care of them, and when they're finally settled in school, you decide it's time to find a job again. And that's when things start to get really hard. For many women, and an increasing number of men, this has been their reality. You can't get a job again if you have such a long gap on your resume. But that's starting to change in the US, where the lowest unemployment rate in almost 17 years is beginning to bite. With the labour market getting tighter, companies are looking at potential workers they might previously not have considered. Today on Benchmark, we'll talk with someone who's made it her mission to make sure that happens. I'm Scott Landman, an economics editor with Bloomberg News in Washington. And I'm Daniel Moss, an economics writer at Bloomberg View in New York. Before we get to our guest, who's an expert in this subject, let's bring in my colleague Craig Torres, a reporter for Bloomberg in Washington who covers the U.S. economy and Federal Reserve and recently wrote about this issue. Craig, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. So, Craig, we often say that the labor market is tight with the jobless rate at just about 4 percent, but that doesn't mean anyone can get a job, right? It means that companies have found the easy supply, let's put it that way, and that the hard supply, the people they need to train, the people they need to look for, who could all provide something to them in the, in the form of labor, they got to start going out and looking for them or having programs to draw them in. And is this entirely about supply or is it also about society's acceptance that, you know what, it's okay for the guy to take some time out and look after his kids. Once upon a time, that would have been considered the sole purview of the mother. What we're talking about here is a bias about people who've stepped out of the labor force. I think the bias is probably softer. For women, they say, well, maybe, you know, you were a stay-at-home mom. But still, those mothers face obstacles when they try and come back in. There's age bias at work. There's the concern that their skills have withered. What we're finding, what I wrote about, is companies are, are, when when these people do come back in, they find that's not true. Many of these people sort of stuck outside the labor market are highly qualified. We'll find out a little bit more about how much this is happening today. Talk with somebody who's truly an expert. Carol Fishman-Cohen is founder of a company called iRelaunch which consults with dozens of big companies, including IBM and Morgan Stanley, on programs to bring back qualified people who have spent time out of the workforce. She's based in Boston and joins us from our 106.1 FM, 1330 AM radio studio there. Carol, welcome to Benchmark. Thanks for having me. Carol, could you please first tell us a little bit about your own story and why you left your job years ago or how it wasn't really your choice and how you got a job again? I was uh, working in investment banking in the late 80s here in Boston for Drexel Burnham Lambert in their Boston Corporate Finance Group. And I was on maternity leave with my first child in February of 1990 when Drexel collapsed. So I had no company to return to. Uh, That began my career break. I ended up having three more children in quick succession, did some project work during that five-year period I was having more children, and then I was completely out of the workforce for the following six years, home with them. 
And in 2001, I returned to work at Bain Capital in their high-yield debt management group, in part because there were ex-Drexel people working there. But, you know, in 2001, no one was talking about this topic. Uh, there were no programs. There was no media attention. And I didn't even know any other people who had gone back to work uh, after taking career breaks at that point. So I felt isolated and without a game plan. But I made some mistakes, but then I, I did get back to work, and I learned a lot too. Now, Carol, how long did it take between you deciding after your fourth child, I'm going to get back in, and the opportunity at Bain opening up? In other words, were you an example of the phenomenon we're describing, or because you were in financial markets, it was a little easier? Well, I wouldn't say it's e it was easy at all. So I probably made the decision, I'm thinking in year nine of my 11-year career break, I had just taken on the uh, two-year term of PTO president at my kid's school. And I remember thinking, when this term is over, I'm going to go back to work. And I had no idea how I was going to do it, but I just kind of put that date in my mind. Uh, so that was in 1999. And then in 2000, I ended up going to my 15-year business school reunion, and I ran into someone there who I hadn't been in touch with in years, and she had become a headhunter. And so I told her that I had this finance career, and I was on career break, and I was thinking about going back. And about nine months later, she came back to me with a job in the Boston area that she said she felt was perfect for my skill set. Now, I, I always get a, a laugh out of that because I, I think, what skill set was she talking about? The skill set that she remembered that I had when we were sitting next to each other as first years in 1983. Uh, so that's when this whole idea of being frozen in time came into my mind that people from the past, people with whom you work or went to school, remember you as you were, uh, even if your sense of self has diminished over time if you've been on career break, and that was certainly the case with me. So that was what really started it going. I didn't end up getting that job, but it did get me back in job search mode. And then I started getting in touch with people. And people were very encouraging because they remembered me from before. And one of the most junior guys on an investment banking team that I had worked with at Drexel became a managing director at Bain Capital in the 11 years while I was on career break. And he's the one who opened the door for me to go interview there. He said, I can't get you a job, but why don't you come in and, and talk to a few people? But that doesn't talk about or include the time that I spent having informational interviews and informal conversations with people. And also, I was trying to re-up my skill set. I had to resubscribe to the Wall Street Journal. I, I had, hadn't read it for years and read it cover to cover for a good six months before I felt like I had a handle on what was going on in the business world again. I had to you know, look at my old business school cases and deals that I worked on and, and refresh my idea of um, how to make certain calculations and also understand the new market. Uh, what were the new financial products? What, why were we not using certain old ones anymore? And then there, there was so much consolidation in the market that I had to even think about what companies exist now and what don't exist and which ones had their name changed and who had acquired who. So all of that was going on at the same time. So that's a lot of homework to do. And did this happen during that nine-month period between when you met your old classmate and when they reached out with a potential opportunity? Or was this 
after the potential opportunity kind of kicked your mind into high gear? I was starting to think about going back, and I was new. I wanted to go back into something in finance. And actually, that in itself was a mistake. I didn't do a whole new career assessment for myself. I just thought, I'd come from financial analysis. I'm going back into it. Uh, and, and later, I realized I should have done more of a full assessment. But that probably started, it probably started maybe a year before I got the job. Carol, let's roll forward 15 years. Why are dozens of companies now looking for working moms, stay-at-home dads, or simply those people who are 40 and older who haven't been able to get back in? Why, are every, why is everybody from Booz Allen to Morgan Stanley to Barclays going after this labor pool? You know, it's so interesting to hear you talk about it in that way because, you know, we've been in the space um, for over 10 years, um, toiling away, talking about the virtues of the return to work population. And it feels like all of a sudden there is a lot of attention on this issue and companies across different industry sectors are starting to engage with this pool. If you look at the history, the first formal return to work internship program started in 2008 with Goldman Sachs. J.P. Morgan added one in 2013, and then um, three more financial services companies added them in 2014, and now we have even more. So I think what happened was in the financial services sector, there was this sense of urgency around not enough women in mid- to senior-level roles. And that happened because those companies are so old and they have seen so many generations, generation after generation of their employees go through all these different life stages, and then they've seen women peel off at, at each one. And so suddenly there became this urgency. We don't have enough women at mid to senior level roles. And that is what triggered a lot of these programs in that sector. And then once the program started, even skeptical hiring managers saw who was coming in the door in terms of the caliber of who was participating, and then they got interested too, and the program started to expand. Carol, one thing that really struck me is that even though these programs have multiplied, as Craig said, companies are much more interested in the past. I was struck by something that Craig had written in his recent story that there were you know, hundreds and hundreds of applicants for maybe just a couple dozen or a handful of spots at some of these companies. Is, is that a sign that there still are a lot more people on the outside trying to get into these programs than there is, you know, an actual supply of these kinds of jobs that are available? Well, what I would say is we're only at the beginning of companies setting up these programs and expanding them. So at iRelaunch, we work with the biggest companies in the world in part because of the potential to scale, um, grow the programs across divisions domestically and internationally. Um, but really, there are only a handful of companies that are running these programs. If you look, we, we keep a running list. I think we're up to about 72 globally of paid career reentry programs around the world, formal corporate programs. But in terms of the supply, if you look at Bureau of Labor Statistics microdata, and you look at educated mothers of prime working age, so women between the ages of 25 and 54 with children under 18 who have a bachelor's degree or higher. If you look at that demographic, about there are about 2.6 million of them who are not in the labor force. And studies show us roughly 80% of them are interested in returning uh, after taking a career break. So 
I think we are only at the tip of the iceberg in terms of tapping this population. And remember that it's a, this is a dynamic number. So there are constantly people leaving the workforce to join this pool and then leaving this pool to rejoin okay. the workforce. So we always have this fresh supply of roughly a little over 2 million educated mothers of prime working age who could participate in these programs. And that doesn't even count the women and men who are taking career breaks for reasons that have nothing to do with childcare. Right. It could be elder care or other reasons. Carol, Craig and others here at Bloomberg have written about the skills mismatch more broadly. And we've heard some CEOs complain about that. Now, you've talked about the impetus for some big companies to get more women into executive ranks. How does that dovetail with this skills mismatch that a lot of employers are starting to complain increasingly volubly about? Are you talking mostly about skills mismatch on the technical side or something more broad than that? Technology would be one example. And Craig, feel free to jump in here. In a story of yours that I edited a year or two ago, I believe you were citing Boeing, for example, but it certainly wasn't limited to aerospace. I think what companies find, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Carol, is that these people, the reason they have internships is that these returners, as Carol calls them, can learn on the job. And what they find is, at least in finance, the skills are still pretty sharp, that some things have changed, but not a lot. And it doesn't take that much time for these people to get up to speed. Is that your experience, Carol? Yeah, it's really interesting that you say this because we've now heard people say across industry sectors, like the the fundamental principles of multivariable statistics analysis have not changed, only the tools to interpret them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the fundamental ways that you analyze risk in, for certain financial products have not changed, but only uh, some of the software that you use in order to do the analysis has changed. So we have heard that. Let me just take the most extreme example, and that would be people who are on long career breaks from IT or engineering careers, because that's the other area where we're doing a lot of work. And at this point, we have 14 huge companies, and it'll soon be 18, that are part of an initiative we co-lead with the Society of Women Engineers called the STEM Reentry Task Force. And all of those companies are running paid reentry internship programs for returning technical professionals. And these are people who've been out of the workforce for years and years. So oftentimes they need to take some kind of formal coursework in order to have their skills updated to the point where they're viable candidates. We have an unemployment rate in this country of 4.1%. What happens to the demographic phenomenon you're describing next time the economy slows? Current expansion is the third largest on record. It's going to end at some point. So look, this is a high caliber labor pool that companies looking for top talent should tap regardless of the status of the economy. The mid-career return-to-work internship programs at big companies are getting great results. 50% to 100% of the participants in these programs are getting hired. So companies should aim to attract the best candidates from the return-to-work pool, just like any other talent pool. Carol, we're out of time and we'll have to leave it there. But this will be a really fascinating issue to see how it develops in the coming years, especially if we do have a downturn. Carol Fishman-Cohen, Craig Torres, thanks so much for joining us today on Benchmark. Thanks for having me. 
Benchmark will be back next week. And until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, our Bloomberg app, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Stitcher. While you're there, take a minute to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us and let us know what you thought of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Scott Landman. Craig is at at C Torres Reporter. Dan, you are at Moss underscore Eco. And our guest, Carol, you are at I Relaunch. Benchmark is produced by Sarah Patterson. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Francesca Levy. Thanks for listening. See you next time.